When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. As always, it's much appreciated. You can go to Empire Media. YouTube page. It's A-M-P-I-R-E. Thank you very much. All right. One last day. It's me and you. So we got some mini camp day three stuff to talk about. First of all, do me a favor. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I am going to go on vacation for a couple of weeks. I will continue to have a couple of podcasts every week. I got some new podcasts coming up, including at least one special guest that I know you're going to enjoy hearing from probably in a week or in a week and a half or so. So some, but there will be good stuff coming up. So make sure you tune in. But now let's get to what's going on out at Washington's practice facility. It was a very light practice. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about practice, but there are things happening out here that we need to talk about. After I was able to talk to some of the assistant coaches after practice today, um, a couple of things that I saw, a couple of things to sum up. But let's start with Terry McLaurin because I'm going to stay there. And I told you there was optimism. I told you yesterday that there was optimism regarding his contract. That is still the case. I still think this gets done before training camp. Um, at what point could it be this week, next week, week after? I don't know yet. I do know there's optimism, and I do think it gets done before then. So we'll, go, we'll just stick with there. Now, the other guy along with that is Curtis Samuel. We have, he did not practice full teamwork this week. Ron Rivera continues to say that was done out of an abundance of caution, that, he, that it's not related necessarily to the groin that they're just, they want to make sure he had a good, they feel like he had a good spring and they want to get him to summer in one piece, make sure nothing else happened. He did feel some tightness in his body um, a few days ago. And that's why they wanted to make sure they limited him. I'll just say this, we'll see how it evolves in August and throughout the season as to whether or not this is a problem or not. I'm not going to tell you it's not because I don't know that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sell that, but I'm not going to also go overboard. I do know what happened last year. We all know what happened last year. To me, he's got to go out and prove that he's healthy, and we'll go from there. If he is healthy, I think he's going to be a big help, of course. And we did see him out there. When we saw him out there running, he was running pretty well. Did not He ran better than I, we saw him last year, so that's a good sign. But as far as everything else, let's wait and see how this evolves. All right, so after talking to some of the assistant coaches, one of the things I want to talk about first is J.D. McKissick and his importance. And I, this came up when I asked Randy Jordan about Antonio Gibson and the difference that maybe he has seen this spring because Gibson is trimmed down, lost again, lost about 6-7% body fat and, and worked a lot more on his explosiveness. Now, you also know he worked on that last offseason, but I think reshaping his body helps will help that explosiveness. The drills, the footwork drills, he did some last offseason, he did some this offseason. When I was talking to him about or talking to Randy Jordan about that, he brings up J.D. McKissick and his importance. And this is why 
First of all, it's why they needed to keep him. Secondly, it's why I don't know why they even flirted with the idea of not bringing him back, making him a legitimate offer. Why they didn't do that in the first place, I still don't know because they ran the risk of losing a guy who, to me, is an important part important part of that offense and in that locker room. And this is why. So for Antonio, for example, they would like to still see him evolve in the pass game in the NFL. And then we always know it comes up, but I still think they'd like to see whether or not he catches more balls. It's really about maybe in some cases the kind of routes he's going to run. So, for example, with J.D. McKissick in there, J.D. is the leader in that room. And so Antonio will listen a lot to what he has to say. And it's better when you have a player telling you this than really when it is the coach. That's when you know as a coach that you've got a good room when you don't have to always be the voice saying, hey, you got to do this. It's also why I always felt and others felt like they should have had a veteran pass rusher for the young defensive ends in that group last year because that's what they need to hear. They need a voice who can say, hey, you know, Chase, Montez, this is what I would do or this is how I did it or maybe you could use this move versus the coach telling you that. Dramatically different. With, with, um, with J.D., he'll give Antonio feedback. They're different kind of guys. and uh, J.D. is a lot twitchier, but with Antonio, he can look at him and say, they can run the same route say, hey, this is how I would have done it. I would have run the route this way. Again, maybe differences in their game, but there are things they can learn and pick up from any kind of player. And I, another example, I was talking to Jahan Dotson after practice for a story way down the road. But one of the things he talked about is I asked him about like picking up things from other receivers. He even picked up things from Pat Fryermuth, who was a tight end at Penn State and a teammate. It's like, you know, you have Dotson, who's a small guy. Fryermuth is a big tight end. But he said he noticed the way that he would box out receivers and how he could play tall. So he tried to incorporate that, some of that into his game. Maybe he already had it. Some of that is natural, but the point is he felt like he learned from that. So I think going back to J.D. and Antonio, that's a reason why it was so important to have J.D. back, why they shouldn't have flirted with losing him, but also not just for, for Antonio, but for Brian Robinson's growth as well in the pass game in addition to as a running back. Randy Jordan can help him a lot as a runner, and you've already I've told you some examples of things from yesterday where he would talk about the angles of how he needs to run, how, they, how he needs to make sure he keeps his shoulders low. I felt like that was a point of emphasis for Brian in this camp because when I watched him, he wasn't always upright. I felt like he showed he was leaning with his shoulders a little bit, which is what you're going to want to see from a taller running back. He's also a, a – Robinson also is a huge Adrian Peterson fan. He's watched a lot of the tape, and Peterson, was, of course, was, a, was very much a straight-up runner. He's so rare, though, that most guys can't, most guys, 99% of the guys can't get away with that. But again, that's the importance of J.D. McKissick and again, why they shouldn't have flirted with losing him. All right, on to Benjamin St. Juice. So, you know, they're playing him in the slot. And I asked Chris Harris about that. And Jack Del Rio talked about his footwork. So I asked him about, you know, being a bigger corner playing in there. Why did they feel like he could do that? And he went back to his workouts before the draft where he ran the three cone drill. That's what this goes back to. That's the change of direction, the sudden change, et cetera. His, six, his three cone drill time was 6.63 seconds. He said anything under seven is really good. So 6.63, that's one of the reasons why they started to toy with the idea of moving him inside or feeling like he could play inside because he has that quick change of direction. By comparison, Derek Stingley, a phenomenal talent, phenomenal 
athlete and corner ran the three cone in 7.0 seconds. Different corner, going to play outside. But if you're going to play inside, you better have the ability to move like that. The other thing was the length. And I've told you about that before. And I asked Harris about the importance of that length for a guy inside. And usually you're going to get a smaller corner inside there and you get caught up in trap. You are going to have to have some run, cut, run fit responsibilities. And if you have that size, you can you have a little bit better ability to take on some blockers and play and shed stuff in traffic. So that's one reason. And the second reason I think is a little bit obvious. If you're covering some smaller receivers, you do have that length. They've now got to throw over you or maybe, and I saw this with Dotson a couple of times against St. Jude's, where maybe he's beaten a little bit, but that length helps him recover just a little bit more than, or, than he ordinarily would have. He's not a burner, so he may be more quick than he is fast, but I think that's, that's why they want to try him inside. Again, the next step is let's see how he does in the preseason games because he's going to play there, and then how he does in the games. But it's why they feel good about moving him inside. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Guys, are you looking for that extra confidence when it's time to have fun? Let me tell you about BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. BlueChew is also an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And the best part, all done online. Blue Chew's tablets, made in the United States, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code KIME at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to receive your first month free. Deami Brown, listen, here's the other thing, folks. The spring is a time for optimism for every team. This team is no different. So everything you're going to hear right now is about why they think a guy could be good. Does it mean they're going to be that way? No, because every year you hear about guys who, if I went back and looked at what guys say in the spring and then how it plays out in the season, if I went and did that every year, you'd see a dramatic difference sometimes from the spring, the winter, the spring, and then in the season, because not everybody's going to play out that way. But you're looking for reasons why. Why could this guy be better? And they do have a lot of young guys that need to improve, one of which is Deami Brown. So when I asked Drew Terrell about, about Deami, one, the one thing he's taught, one of the things he talked about is he felt like you can see more confidence. With young guys growing, you're going to see a confidence change. And Deami talked about the need to attack the ball more in the air, and that's what he felt he should do. I think one of the plays that I thought, one of the routes I thought I'd see more with Deami last year were the slant routes. Before training camp last year, I was talking to a scout and said that they felt like 
Tiami would be really good on the slants. Like he didn't have any trouble going over the middle of the slants. And they felt like he'd be able to break some of those throws. Well, we didn't really see that, did we? But that's one of the, I, I have seen that a couple of times in the mini camp. But the other thing Terrell talked about was how, what he has seen from him in the classroom, the kind of questions he's asking compared to last year, the kind of notes he's taking compared to last year. So I think all that stuff is partly why they say, okay, maybe this guy's starting to get it because you see it here. Now the key is transfer it out there. You got to now go make plays. And if he does that, you'll, you'll see the confidence continue to grow. But again, it's why they're going to enter camp feeling better about De'Ami Brown than they did maybe where he was at in camp last year. So there you go. Speaking of Terrell, I, we did talk about Jahan Dodson for a minute. And it's funny because I asked him about it and he asked him about it. And he said, well, he's, he's very smooth. To the point that Terrell said that during rookie minicamp, he, he went up to Dotson and said, you got to run faster. You got to run. You got to run faster. Well, the reality was he was running fast. It's just that he was doing it very smooth. So that's one of the things that has jumped out with them. But for them, with Dotson, really the spring, all it did is affirm the decision they made to draft him. All right. On to Carson Wentz. So Ken Zambezi said, the quarterback's coach, one of the things he talked about, we, I talked about with him is, he didn't want to judge Wentz, and, and this is smart. Like I think any good coach is going to do this. You don't want to go in there with a the preconceived idea of what this, who this player is based on what you've heard in media reports or the gossip mill or whatever. You need to go in there with an open mind for any guy because if you don't, I think it's going to lead to, a, to trouble. And that's what Zampezi has done. He said that you know it, he's, he's not here to judge. He said when you go to a new place, it's a good chance and time to reinvent yourself. And the other things that Pizzi said I felt was interesting was not just that, but he followed up with, if I was having an issue somewhere, I would want to work hard on that when I go somewhere else, when I have a chance to reinvent myself, work hard on that particular issue. That is something that I think Wentz has talked a little bit about. And I think that'll be interesting to see how that develops with him because with Wentz, some of the things you always heard was whether it's leadership in the locker room, more so relating guys, being a little bit more open with guys, getting to know them a little bit better, because it's important for that, because when things start to go south, and they always do, whether it's for a game, a quarter, whatever, you want to have guys who are going to have your back. And the better relationship you have with them, the more they're going to come to your defense. And, and, and that, I think that all helps. Now, if you go out and play well, I mean... That's all. That's that's what helps. That's what helps, too. The other thing that Zampezi talked about is he felt like Wentz was in a really good place with his timing in the offense so far. And he said one of the things that he's liked throughout the spring is the way Wentz would go through his reads. You could see him going one, two, three, four across the board. That's something that that they really like. And speaking of the timing, and I brought up this play, I think it was yesterday or the day before throw to Cam Sims, if you remember, a little dig route where Sims basically turns, the ball's right on, and he drops. So I wondered if that's like the part of the timing. And what that was, and this is, I asked Drew Terrell about this one. So what happened there, he said, his receivers have to know, he said that was, Carson was on time on that throw. But on the play, he said that, that Sims has to understand, he was thinking about too many other things. He was worried about his footwork on the field, or the, maybe the, the he felt like the field was a little bit slippery or something. He said, you've got to get to your spot and get there because the ball is going to be there. That's what these receivers have learned 
this offseason. I think that's something that Sims will clearly have learned off of that play. So I think that's – I just wanted to revisit that since I brought it up the other day. The other key with the other key with Wentz will be how he handles adversity because in the spring, if you're a veteran quarterback, you should look good. So let's let's keep that in mind. How how do you handle adversity? Whether again a game, a stretch of games, when things aren't going your way, how do you handle it? Wentz is very much a type A personality, and you know one of the things that Revere talked about is how hard he is on himself. So in practice, he said there were a lot of times where he'd hear Wentz talking, he turns around, he's like, but he, what he's not talking, but he's mumbling to himself about things he could have done better on that particular play and how he could have made a better decision or, or made a better throw or whatever. One, you know, knowing that, I think that's all good. You want guys who are hard on themselves and critique their own game, but you don't want guys who are going to let that linger. So how he handles that will be a big key for what kind of success he has this season. The other thing Zampezi said with him is that it's evident that Wentz is, quote, very hungry. So we'll see. But if he is, then I think he will have worked on a lot of things that people said he needed to work on, or at least that he feels he needs to work on. Doesn't mean he has to agree with what everybody else says, but there certainly are parts of his game that he has to improve. Also, I'm going to go back to the field because the last play of the practice of the spring was a tip pass that Derek Forrest intercepted and returned the entire the length of the field. Probably would have been about a 60 or 70-yard touchdown. There was a minute and 20 left in the drill, but it was a play that they decided, let's end on this one. The horn goes off, and they're out for the summer. With that, I think we have to look at – I'm going to get into some podcasts next week. I'm going to have Bram Weinstein on. Sam Fortier is going to be on next week. Um, and we're going to discuss a lot of what we, the offseason and going into training camp, the assessment of where this team is at, I think there are some good things to build on. I think you look at this offense and you feel like if things come together, if Curtis Samuel stays healthy, if Wentz really kind of get grass gets a hold of this offense, you look at that. I think Antonio Gibson, I always think he can have a good year because I think he's got a lot of talent. And so you can look at that offense and say, there's potential for it to be a good offense. How good? I don't know. I'm not going to go crazy yet. I like Dotson. I like McLaurin. Um, I like what Cam Sims offers here. I like Curtis Samuel, again, if he's healthy. But you got to get Logan Thomas out there, too. I think they're really thin at tight end in terms of experience without Logan Thomas out there. What are you going to do if it's Bates and then Cole Turner and then what? Because Logan Thomas might not be out there for the first couple weeks. We don't know yet. So that's, you know, so there's a good and a bad with that offense. And I think there's reason for optimism. And there are some things you say, okay, got to see how this evolves. Is the line, the starting line, going to be as good or better than last year? Where is it going to be in comparison? I always like the depth, but now they have two new guards. How is that going to play out? And you have a center who's coming off his own injury. How does that play out? That's a lot to ask. Like You always hear about communication is key. Chase Ruye hasn't been on the field with Andrew Norwell or Trey Turner. Now he's been in meetings. He's talked to him. He's getting to know them. That helps because you need a good relationship. How does that play out? That's another thing we say, okay. Reason for optimism, reason for pause. Defensively, I'll just say this. I was going, I think I may have told you this the other day, going through the 53-man roster. We have to do this little project for ESPN. And I had a hard time. I'm looking at some of the, the secondary, the depth at corner, not a lot of proven depth. And the depth at safety, not, not a lot of proven depth. And then a linebacker, you know. So how is Jamin Davis growing? Like, I know they talked about him being confident. 
But I also heard he still has a ways to go. So how much, what kind of impact will he make? Cole Holcomb, I feel good about him. But then after the group, after him, like your questions, Khalid Hudson and David Mayo, they're good back. Could they, are they good backups? I think so. But, but what level? I still think, again, I still think they're going to sign a veteran who has experience in this defense to at least help in the meeting room and just a guy who's ready to go in case he's needed. You know, and then when, is, when does Chase Young come back? What level of play is he at when he does come back? I've consistently heard they're not going to rush him back. They've said it publicly. I've heard it privately from his own people. who They're not putting any sort of all-in for week one mantras out there because they want him back when he's ready and when he can make the proper or when he has the ability to make the proper impact. All questions that, that you know, with most of these teams in the NFL in that seven to ten win range, they're all going to have questions. This team is no different. And that's why, you know, we're going to end the spring looking at all this stuff, getting ready for training camp when a lot of those questions will start to be answered. With that, I hope you enjoyed my, our three-day mini camp coverage. I'll be back on Monday with my pal, Bram Weinstein. There you go. Talk to you next time.